What if we made a bet? For the stakes of a crisp pie five, I bet you I could fire a rather large bullet up into the air. This bullet would then escape Earth's gravitational pull, and I would target it so well that I could then have it serpentine around all of the solar system's outer planets, while simultaneously taking a bunch of selfies. Because, well, why wouldn't you? So would you take that bet? If you said yes, I'll await my crisp high five in the mail. Because we already did exactly this in 1977. Cue the music, Carlos. Welcome to Viable Underdogs, where we try to teach you some cool stuff and hopefully encourage everyone to become a bit more sustainable. My name is John. With me as always is the ever-elusive Carlos, our in-house technology guru. This is episode number 5. In this episode, we're going to examine nuclear power with our own brand of fast, simplistic science. Nuclear power seems to get a lot of hate, while simultaneously also being suggested as a better alternative to fossil fuels. So which is it? Doom or salvation? We'll get back to our wager in a minute, but first off, I want to be clear that I'm not really for or against nuclear power one way or the other. I think it's important to evaluate any possible solutions to climate change and sustainability with a healthy dose of skepticism and reality. Any viable alternatives and solutions need to be evaluated with the following three criteria. Number one is pretty obvious. The solution needs to be a more environmentally friendly option in some measurable way. Number two is the timeline. The solution needs to be implementable in the near future. If the timelines are too far off, then by the time the impacts are noticed, it may be too late. And last, the solution needs to be realistic in terms of cost. This may be a bit of an unpopular opinion, I'm sure. After all, there is no cost that outweighs the value of our planet. That's 100% true. However, all of these challenges require people's new and existing technologies, businesses, and governments to all work together. All these things cost money. It may be a hard to swallow truth, and we will explore it in more detail with some different examples in a future episode. Let's start by diving into what exactly nuclear power is. There are two different types, fusion and fission. Fusion brings things together. Think of it like marriage. Fission splits things apart. Think of it like divorce. Our sun, for instance, fuses hydrogen atoms together to make helium. This process releases massive amounts of energy in the process, and this is what powers the stars in our universe. Our nuclear reactors on Earth are based on fission. They separate unstable particles, which releases energy in the process. The energy released is used to heat up water and power turbines for electricity. All of that smoke you see coming out of a nuclear power plant is water vapor, not carbon dioxide, pollutants, or greenhouse gases. And since the process mainly only releases water vapor, nuclear power is often suggested as a viable alternative to fossil fuels. In fact, the energy derived from burning coal to power turbines is similar to that of nuclear power, except that coal emits far more pollutants into the atmosphere. And though some people may think that coal hasn't been used since the cowboy days, approximately 30-40% to 40 of the world's electricity is currently being produced by coal. So we'll obviously make sure to explore coal in another episode. Going back to our wager from before, the large bullet actually refers to two small spacecraft. 
Calling it a bullet isn't exactly an exaggeration either. Some of the fastest bullets on Earth might go 1 or 2 kilometers per second. Voyager is currently traveling around 17 kilometers per second, and it has gone faster than that during parts of its mission. Voyager 1 and 2 were launched in 1977, and spent the following decade analyzing the planets in our solar system. Here's what's crazy. To this day, they're still sending back data from interstellar space. So what makes this possible? The answer is a nuclear battery that operates on similar principles as what occurs in a fission reactor. A form of radioactive decay that releases heat, which a generator then converts into usable electricity. I may be a bit of a nerd, but I think that's pretty cool. I mean hot. Radioactive hot. Now that we've covered a bit on what nuclear power is, and why it may be advantageous to fossil fuels, let's list off some of the considerations. We'll throw on some of our ominous sounding music for the unfortunate drawbacks to nuclear power. First off is nuclear waste. Overall, the process of nuclear power is fairly waste-free. The main thing emitted in the process is water vapor, as stated before. However, the small amounts of waste that is created remains radioactive for hundreds of thousands of years. Finding a safe disposal site can be challenging, and one could argue that having radioactive materials sit for that long is less than ideal. Some improvements have been made, and some experimental stuff is in the works, such as the discovery of certain bacteria that can assist in the disposal of nuclear waste. Nuclear meltdowns. You'll rarely hear a conversation without Chernobyl and Fukushima coming up. Although the process of nuclear power is safe, and has become more safe over time, and the chances of a critical meltdown such as Chernobyl being incredibly low, it's difficult to ignore the after effects should a meltdown occur. This is more of a problem for nuclear on a public relations level than anything else. Nuclear weapons. If the world transitions more and more to nuclear, then the access to nuclear weapons increases also. This is an unfortunate byproduct of nuclear energy but cannot be ignored in overall considerations. Krypton-85 The nuclear fission process generates a small amount of Krypton-85, a radioactive gas. The presence of this gas in the atmosphere has increased from baseline levels naturally occurring in Earth's upper atmosphere, which means humans have increased the presence of this gas. And Krypton-85 is suspected to have climate-changing properties, it is likely that more research is required to ascertain the full effects of Krypton-85. Build time. Currently about 10% of the world's electricity is provided by nuclear sources. If we wanted to use it to say replace coal, currently sitting at around 40%, we would need to scale it up a fair bit. The average time to build a nuclear power plant is between 5 and 10 years. And although some countries, like Japan, have been able to build them in less time, some projects have extended into the decades due to delays. These delays can increase the cost of the project significantly. However, costs and construction times are probably more complicated than I can do justice in such a short time. The one thing I do want to point out is that we need to start transitioning now, and if nuclear is indeed the answer to fossil fuels, then the construction times, and probably also the costs, would need to drop significantly on a global level. Alright, let's cut out the ominous sounding music. 
These are the things we should keep in mind should we decide to scale up nuclear power. There are quite a few new projects planned in countries such as China, Russia, and India. So like it or not, nuclear will be playing a role in our global energy demands for the foreseeable future. Based on issues such as construction times and uncertainties regarding nuclear waste disposal and the full effects of Krypton-85, it's probably not the most viable alternative to fossil fuels. However, as just mentioned, some countries have decided to implement nuclear power as part of their energy strategy. This is why more research and development is crucial to better understand and hopefully mitigate the downsides that come with nuclear. Cheers. Thanks for listening. As always, please share and forward this podcast. The first step towards realistic sustainability is in knowledge and discussion. And this can't happen without everyone's input. Please send any questions, comments, or radioactive superpowers to viableunderdogs at gmail.com. Our intro music is composed by Mark Kronowski, the ominous music by Bjorn Lin, and the music currently playing by Jonathan Atkinson. We intend to get a website up and running in the near future. Until then, you can learn more about the Voyager missions at www.nasa.gov. You can just input Voyager into the search bar.